Come on up here and obey yeah. God. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. I guess I need to flip anything around. Nope, you're good. They, they got you good wired go. up. Okay. Good evening. Good evening. Well, that was weak. The, the, the words, this is the day the Lord has made. Now, who did he make it for? Me. Me. And you. Right? Then what's the rest of that? I, 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 see, there's two key words here. I will. So you got a choice. Isn't it wonderful to have a choice? Huh? I mean, we can choose, you know, you may have to straighten out my doctrine after this is over, and that's okay. But God is not in control. No, they know this. They know that. This is not the Because if he is, we're in a mess. Huh? See, he didn't tell you, or maybe he did, but you still have a choice whether you do it or not, what you ate this morning. You decide that. See, God, he's already laid it all out for us. He's done all he's going to do, all he's going to do. Now it's up to us. So he says, I will rejoice. So you make a choice to rejoice. Now, now you can be sad if you want to, but it doesn't turn out very well. Been there, done that, got the video, you know. So it's great to be here this evening. Thank you, Pastor, for asking me. I, it's always a privilege for me uh, to be able to come to uh, a church and for a pastor to have the trust and confidence in me to stand before the people that God's called to him to shepherd. It's, it's a great honor and, and a great privilege. And a great responsibility because, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of faith to stand up here. Now, most of y'all don't know that because you haven't done it. But see, you sit out there and you look at me. I stand up here and I see all of y'all. And, you know, we have this imagination. Hmm? And you can be anywhere you want to be anytime you want to go. Huh? And so, and you ladies know this very well. You know, your husband comes home in the evening and you're telling him about your day and all the wonderful things that happened. And he's sitting there and he's saying, mm-hmm, yes. He can even be smiling, eyes open, but he's not home. No, he's, he's off doing something somewhere, right? Well, now, you, you've taken the time. Now, I know I'm talking to the hardcore here. Yeah, we are. You see, the Wednesday night group, that, that's, that's the hardcore. Yes. They're the ones that really want to move on, yes. really want to get something done, really want to grow, yes. right? Yes. Well, now, all of you didn't say anything on that. <laughs> you, you do teach the power of agreement and all that here, right? Huh? See, he's exactly right. You get exactly what you expect. Amen. Hmm? Whatever you're expecting, that's what's going to happen. So I'm expecting good things to happen tonight. I'm standing in faith that I'll say something that will help you. Because that's why I came. And it is a great privilege to be here. Uh, typically, because the role that I play in the ministry, most pastors, they don't see me in this role of speaking. 
because I'm the guy moving the platform. I mean, the, the, you know, the podium or whatever needs to be done because that's primarily what I'm called to is the helps ministry. I've been with Brother Copeland for 35 years now and just doing what I can to help him. But there are opportunities that, that, that occur like this one where I do have the opportunity to speak and I enjoy it. It's, it's wonderful. But I'm believing, and you believe with me, that I'll say something tonight that will help you change. Hmm? See, change is not usually comfortable. Huh? I got this little plaque on my desk, and it says, when you're through changing, you're through. Huh? And that's true. How are we going to get from faith to faith and glory to glory if we don't change? And how do we change? Through the word being ministered to us, either by reading it, by hearing it preached. And as you know, starting tomorrow night, just over in Orlando, not very far from here. I just drove here from there. Tomorrow night, all day Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning. Saturday night, Brother Copeland's going to be there. Hmm? And I would encourage you to make the investment of your time to come over and hear what he has to say. Just like he changed the pastor's life, just like he changed my life. I was introduced to Brother Copeland in 1969. Same year I got married, 1969. And uh, I... I was 150% world, you know, educated beyond my intelligence, have a degree in biology and a minor in psychology and all that stuff, you know. And so I didn't have any religious programming to overcome. I had all this academic programming to overcome, you know. And faith just made no sense to me at all because I was working in the lab, you know, and A plus B equals C and all that sort of thing. And so when you start talking about faith and Jesus, oh, I had him all figured out. You know, he was just a great orator, you know, and, you know, you know the stuff you think when you don't know anything. But in 1969, I got born again. And my mother-in-love, now you may have a mother-in-law, but I had a mother-in-love because she loved me enough to take me to where she knew I could get the word of truth. <clears throat> and the first meeting she ever took me to was Brother Copeland's meeting in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And there might have been maybe 20 people there. But I sat down there and the guy was talking about, uh, here's what God's done for me and he'll do it for you too. You, you can be prosperous, you can be healthy, you can have good relationships, you can have peace in your heart. And I didn't have any of that. So that got my attention. You know, it's the goodness of God that draws people to him. Not hanging people over hell's fire and damnation. You know, that, that, hey, I knew all about that. But the goodness of God. And that was all good news to me because I'm from Mark Tree, Arkansas. That's a usual response I get when I tell people about Mark Tree, Arkansas. It's a little bitty town up in the northeast corner of Arkansas. There's nothing there. It's cotton country, 
big snakes, big mosquitoes, that's it, you know. And they call Arkansas the land of opportunity. When you get the opportunity, you leave. <laughs> so I got delivered from Mark Tree, Arkansas. My, my dad was killed in the Second World War, so my mother took me to my grandmother, and uh, she raised me. And it's interesting about adults. They know children need to go to church, but they won't go themselves. That's the importance of children's church. You get the kids, they'll eventually get the adults, you know, because the adults will see the change in the kids. So anyway, she would send me to these churches. Well, there's only two. And one was the Church of God of Prophecy. I don't know whether you're familiar with that denomination or not. These are good people, okay? But they wrote the book on Holy Roller. Oh, my word. I mean, you know, jumping and shouting and screaming and everything else. And then the other church was the Church of Christ, and it was not spirit-filled. So it was totally quiet, you know. And so I was a little bit confused as a eight- or nine-year-old boy. So I just kind of said, nah, don't need that, and went my own way. And, uh, you know, interesting thing. If, you're, if you have a plan and it's not working, it's time to get another plan. Yes. And here I was, 26 years old, just got married. I had a plan, but it was not working. So it was time to get a new plan. And this guy was telling me, you don't, you don't have to be poor to be a Christian because that's all I'd ever seen. And, you know, you just, just got to suffer through Get through this old world the best way you can. But somewhere up there in a sweet by and by. Oh, no more crying there. Huh? No more suffering there. Streets of gold up there. Not hear all of that. And I would think, well, that's great. But I'm not there. I'm here. And I want my money now. Huh? I want my healing now, you know. Well, I didn't hear any of that until I heard this man. And then he said, you can have it now. So I picked up on that and uh, followed him, hooked up with his ministry, and kind of grew up with him and Charles Capps and Hilton Sutton and all these great men. God has just blessed us immensely. Uh, In February, we will have been married 50 years. We have two wonderful children. God has just blessed us beyond anything that I could have ever asked or thought. And so that's where we are today. Still serving God, still out there. I'm only 75 years old, and Brother Copeland's only 81. He says he's going to 120. So that's job security for me, right? Huh? So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this, this evening. And I don't know what, what kind of time frame we're on here. I don't, I don't want to. Well, the meeting just, starts when tomorrow? Oh, okay. Good enough. Well, you know, I've been hanging around Brother Copeland for 35 years now, you know. And he carries a clock with him just to make sure that he preaches long enough. <laughs> that's what he tells everybody. The next time you think God can't use you, think about this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. 
Sarah was barren. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. <laughs> Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute and proud of it. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. <laughs> you haven't done that lately, have you, Pastor? Never done that. Haven't gone there yet. Okay. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> but every one of these people got over it. Yes. Hmm? Yes. See, I find that very encouraging. You can slip up. You can make a mistake. God's not interested in your past. He's interested in your future. Hmm? It's not about, a, about the mistakes you made. It's about changing and moving on with God, what God has called you to do. Because God has a specific plan for your life. He has something specific that he wants you to do that you're uniquely qualified to accomplish. Now, it's our job to find out what it is and then get on with it. Amen? So what I want to challenge you with this evening, and my thought is that that's why we come to church, to be challenged, not, not by the usher or the greeter or <laughs> person sitting next to you, but be challenged by the word, yeah. Yeah. to be challenged to go higher, yeah. to think bigger, yeah. to go deeper. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about a few minutes this evening. So how big can you think and how big can you ask? How big? Well, that's not big enough. See, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think, according to Ephesians 3.20. So however big you can think, it's too small. Because God's already ahead of you. And see, the way God works is God precedes, God prepares, and God provides on this path of obedience that we're all on. See, God can provide a coin from a fish's mouth, feed a multitude with a little boy's lunch, cause the sun to stand still, make an axe head float on water, turn water into wine, send fire from heaven, walk on water, take Daniel through the lion's den. Therefore, he can do exceedingly beyond whatever you can ask or think. Amen. Think about it. Now, you do believe the Bible. Yes. I mean, that's foundational. We believe the Bible. Yes. And we believe the stuff that's written in here. Now, the good thing about the Bible is he puts it all in there. Hmm? He didn't just pick out all the successes and give us the success stories. All of these people that I just read off to you, he's got the whole thing in there. The, the challenges they went through. And the thing that we have to do is read the Bible in the context in which it was happening. Not the context in which we live. See, these are real people here. This is just not some fantasy, something somebody made up. This is the word of God. And he puts it in here to help us. 
So expect your father to surprise you. How do you like suddenlies? I like suddenlies. Huh? I had my 75th birthday this year, and I got a suddenly. And it's where this came from, what I'm talking to you about tonight. This is where that came from. When, uh, back in January, we have a minister's conference every year in January on the property. And the pastor was talking about new cars. I, I never had a new car. That's just not what I did. I bought used cars. Now, I get my wife nice cars, right? But I just drove whatever. And I was fine with that. Well, and I work on my own cars. I enjoy, you know, restoring cars and those kind of things. So I get up on Tuesday morning. This is the first day of minister's conference. And I need to be out there get this thing going you know it's Tuesday Wednesday Thursday it is cold 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 I'm telling you it was really cold unusually cold for Fort Worth so I get in the car just get out the gate the, our, our, the entrance of our subdivision get on the road and the temperature gauge goes zing to hot oh man well your choice to rejoice right <laughs> this is an opportunity well, I'll have to tell you, I wasn't rejoicing very much at the moment. So anyway, I pulled over to the side of the road because, you know, you don't want to drive a car, then you do more damage. So I called my friend that was out there, Sergio, and he, he came to get me. I left the car on the side of the road and got out there and got on with the program. And my son was there. And so I was telling my son about it, you know, something, probably the water pump or something. Anyway, I'll figure it out later. And so... Uh, later that day, I went on back. We got the car, got it over to my house. And so when the minister's conference was over, I got in there and worked on it, replaced the water pump. Everything's fine. But it started something in my son. And he decided, Dad needs a new car. Now, he didn't say anything to me about it. I don't have a clue, right? So this is in January. My birthday's in March. I'm getting ready to go to Russia. And so he starts putting this deal together. He and my daughter and my wife. And they surprise me. And so he, he calls me this Saturday. He calls me and he says, uh, hey, Dad, let's go get some coffee. Well, it's the afternoon. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of odd. But he does odd things anyway. So, uh, you know, I just, yeah, sure, son. Okay, fine, you know. Well, uh, he comes over to get me, and I've got on this, this shirt, this Porsche shirt. I've got a, a couple of old Porsches that I work on. So I got on this Porsche. He said, Dad, you might have to change your, change your shirt. I said, well, why? <laughs> We're just going for coffee, right? Yeah, but you, you, you might have to change your shirt. I, I don't want to change my shirt. I was really being resistant here, so, so I never did change my shirt. You know, Of course, he knows what's going to happen. I don't. So we go off, we get some coffee. He said, uh, and, and then my wife calls and says, okay, we're going to meet for, and my daughter comes in that weekend. And, you, you know, and I'm getting ready to leave town, right? So now my daughter's coming in, and I'm thinking, this is really not good timing, you know. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, she's, there, she's there, so we're all going to go out to eat, you know. And, of course, my wife is very punctual, and she expects me to be. And so uh, my son says, well, uh, on the way uh, to, to meet everybody to eat, 
let's, uh, let's stop at the Jaguar place. And I'm thinking, what for? <laughs> Why don't we stop at the Jaguar place? Well, they got an old Jaguar there. You know, he likes, you know, if I, I like old cars. And so I said, look, we, we cannot be late for dinner. You know, mother will not be happy. And if she's not happy, nobody is happy. So he stopped at the Jaguar place. We go back and we look at the car. And uh, it's an old X, uh, XK150, you know, and it's in decent shape and everything. It's okay, fine. Look at the car, get ready to go. And so the salesman, he says, uh, well, look at the new cars. Come on over and look at the new cars. Look at the new cars. And I'd say, no, we, we really got to go. I mean, we, we, we've got to meet the family for dinner. Well, just sit in one. Just sit in one, you know. Okay, okay. So I'll go over and I sit in the car. Okay, wonderful. You know, I'm not thinking anything about cars. I'm thinking about getting to dinner on time, right? So anyway, I said, okay, fine. And, and then the salesman says, well, look, watch this video. Just watch this video. And I'm thinking, I don't have time to watch a video. I've got to get to dinner on time. Oh, just watch this video. You know, just, just for me. Just help me. And so I'm thinking, well, the guy must get some credit or something or other for watching this video, right? And so I said, okay, but when this video is over, we're leaving. That's it. No time for anything else. So I go over and we sit down and they start showing this video. And I'm expecting some car, you know, you going down the highway or showing all the specs on a car or something like that. It's not that at all. They start saying, in honor of all your years. and all, It's all text, you know. And then all these names start coming up. I'm thinking, I know those people. How, how did this dealership get those names? Something's going on here. So my son had gone to the restroom, okay. So he comes back and I said, son, this dealership has a bunch of names that we know. We got to find out what's going on. He said, Dad, I want you to go out and pick out a car. I said, what? I didn't get it. I did not get it. After all of that, seeing the video with all the, I just didn't get it. He said, yes, go out and pick out a car. I said, son. No, Don't, we, we got to wait on this. Hold on, hold on. I, I haven't researched these cars. They looked at these. No, pick out one today? Yes, you got to pick out one today, right now. I said, no, no, I, I, I need some time. You know, I'm trying to buy some time, right? And, and he said, no, you got to pick out one right now. So we go out there and we do the test runs and all the rest of this stuff. And so, uh, and, now, the rest of the story is all of this is going out on Facebook live. I'm telling you, you've got to watch what you're doing all the time. Yeah, there was a guy. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the guy, but he's got there. He's with his camera, you know, he's watching me and watch the video. I'm just glad I didn't act up some way. You know, it would have been out there live worldwide, you know. So anyway, we'll go out there and we start doing the driving and all the rest of that stuff. And I said, Lord, and then, now, we're, doing, we're going to talk about capacity, okay? And, and here's, we all have to deal with it. We all have a level that we can get to, and then we've got a choke point. Hmm? This is not God. This is us. 
So I'm standing out there and I'm thinking, and we had a really serious financial need at the time. And I'm standing out there and I'm saying, Lord, you know how much I need the money. I don't need the car, I need the money. He said, if I can get you the car, I can get you the money. So he said, and then it came time to pick the right car, right? So I, I got a, a Jaguar F-Type. That's a sports car, right? And so uh, they had a green one and a white one and a red one. Red is not my color. I just, you know, I just never have really cared for red cars. And on Facebook, they're watching all of this. And they almost have a pool going on on which color I'm going to get. So the Lord said, get the red one. I said, but Lord, that's not my color. He said, get out of your comfort zone. So I took the red one. Now that's a suddenly. See? God had, and this has been going on for months. I did not have a clue that anything was happening. God wants to increase your capacity. He wants you to increase your capacity. So how big can you think? How big can you ask? Hmm? Got to go beyond where you are now. He can walk through fiery furnaces, take the poison out of snake bites. He can move mountains, pluck up trees by their roots, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, leper, open the eyes of the blind, heal all manner of sickness. And the greatest of all, he can make a sinner, a child of God, and fill him with the Holy Ghost. So how big can you think? How big can you ask? There's nothing too hard for God. You remember the story. Sarah, 90 years old. Abraham. 99, and they were visited, and they're sitting out there having lunch, and the visitors say, about nine months from now, we're going to come back through here, and Sarah is going to have a baby. Sarah's listening at the tent door. I mean, wouldn't, I mean, you ladies, I mean, you know, your husband asked somebody over for lunch, you want to know what's this about, Right? So she's listening at the tent door. She hears them say this, and she laughs. Now, she didn't laugh out loud because she didn't want them to know she's listening at the tent door. She laughs. Well, we can relate to that, right? I mean, she's looking at her body. 90 years old. And she's looking at Abraham. 99. And she's thinking, yeah, you boys, that doesn't go on around here anymore. Huh? Well, okay, we laugh about that, but how often do we look at the natural circumstances when God asks us to do something? Huh? Now, here are these guys, and they say, well, why does Sarah laugh? Well, she denied it, but of course she did. But she laughed. She didn't laugh out loud. She laughed up here. See, and she was finding God funny, not faithful. And they said, well, well, well why did she laugh? 
To them, it was totally preposterous that she would even think twice about this. Huh? And what was their response? Is anything too hard for the Lord? They were totally surprised that anybody would think there's something too hard for the Lord. Huh? Now, the rest of that story is, you know, they're traveling around and they go up to Philistine country and uh, King Abimelech is up there. You know, in the kings of those days, he'd have any woman he wants. Married, unmarried, doesn't make any difference, you know. He just picks and chooses women for his harem. And he gets word there's a new family in town. And his boys are telling him, and you should see this woman, Sarah. He got so interested, he said, well, go down and get her for me. Let me ask you a question. How many 90-year-old women do you know that a king would want for his harem? Now, he's not a born-again king. He's not looking to her inner beauty, right? Huh? No. What happened was this, and this is what we've got to do, is she stopped looking at the problem and started looking at the promise. She wanted this baby. She wanted a baby all of her life. She'd been barren from, you know, when she was 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Now she's 90, beyond being beyond. But she wanted that child. And sure enough, nine months go back by, they come back through, Sarah's got a baby. So no matter how big you think, no matter how big you ask, is anything too hard for the Lord? But we got to get past these choke points. There's nothing too hard for God. He said you can ask him anything and he will do it for you. Did he say that? He's told you that you can accomplish anything you can imagine. You got to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. That's the, that's the great opportunity we have with this imagination that he's given us. So how big can you ask or think? Well, that's not big enough. Now, another question. Who are you and how do you know and how can you prove it? Uh, I'm Barry Tubbs. I was born in Mark Tree, Arkansas, as I already told you. Citizen of the United States of America. I was named by my parents. I have legal documents to prove it. It gives me all the rights and privileges that come with it. Not because of what I did, but because of something someone else did, and I inherited it. So it's up to me now how much of the benefits I appropriate and enjoy. But they all belong to me. I'm also a child of God, born of the Spirit, and I have the legal document, God's Word, to prove it. It gives me all the rights and privileges that come with it. Amen. Not because of what I did, Amen. but because of something someone else did and I inherited it. Yeah. It's up to me how much of the benefits I appropriate and enjoy, but they all belong to me. Amen. We're more than conquerors, right? Yeah. Some of you wouldn't agree with me no matter what I said. <laughs> 
I'll get to you before the night's over. More than conquerors. Let me tell you what more than a conqueror is. You know about boxing, right? Two guys get in. I don't know why they call it a ring. It's not round, right? Anyway, they get in there and they pound on each other. Finally, one knocks the other one out, right? And he gets a big check because he's the champion. He goes home. His wife takes the check. She's more than a conqueror. Huh? She didn't have to get up in the morning and go out there and run for miles. She didn't have to train, lift the weights, do the sparring. She didn't have to get in the ring and get knocked around, get a bloody nose and a black eye and all the rest of that. She just got the money. Jesus has already fought the battle. He's taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he's given them to us. So how big can you think? Hmm? You're more than a conqueror. Yeah. All right, I got four words for you. Go deeper, believe bigger. Go deeper, believe bigger. That's what I want you to walk away tonight with those four words. This is not difficult. Go deeper, believe bigger. Forget about the world system of doing things. It's not the time to wonder if God's word will work for you. I promise you it will. Amen. I mean, how many examples do you need? This is a mountain-moving, debt-busting, wealth-accumulating moment. A word from God. Go deeper, believe bigger. God's calling you to move outside conventional worldly wisdom by embracing the truth of Romans 12 too. Be transformed. Move from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And it's your choice. Now you can sit where you are, stay in your comfort zone, still go to heaven. But in order to accomplish what God has for you to do, you got to get outside that comfort zone into the adventure zone. Yes. Hmm? Turn to Luke 5. <clears throat> yes, I am going to use the Bible. Give you two or three examples of this. We're talking about capacity. What is your capacity? Now, I don't know. But you have one. What I do know is God fills what he finds. He fills what he finds. If you've got teaspoon capacity, he'll fill it. If you've got teacup capacity, he'll fill that. If you've got bucket capacity, he'll fill that. If you've got wheelbarrow capacity, he'll fill that. If you've got dump truck capacity... He'll feel that. An example of that is in chapter 5. And Jesus, you know, we read the word and we think Jesus had meetings like this. Everybody came in and they were all quiet and they listened to every word that he had to say. It wasn't like that at all. His meetings were chaotic. Huh? 
This man is going around healing folks. I mean, everybody's trying to get to the guy. And then you got the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the rest of the C's, and they're all, you know, heckling him and asking stupid questions and all the rest of that, trying to catch him in something. And you got kids running everywhere. I mean, thousands of people show up, and they didn't just show up, you know, by themselves. So they're pressing in, trying to get to the guy, and he's trying to speak to them. So that's where we are in chapter 5. It says, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. These guys have been out fishing all night. Now they're back. They hadn't caught anything. Peter is one of them. And it's their boats. And so Jesus says, look, Peter, let me borrow your boat. Let's move out a little ways from the shore. That'll give me a little space here between me and the people. Hopefully they won't wait out into the water after me. And uh, so Peter is in the boat with Jesus. I mean, he's keeping the boat in one place, you know, so it doesn't float off. And so Jesus preaches to the people. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he finished preaching, he turned to Simon. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a drought. Or let's go catch some fish. Now, to Peter's thinking, this is totally wrong. One, you don't fish during the day. Correct. He's been out all night, hadn't caught a thing. He's tired, right? Secondly, he's saying, okay. Now, he must have heard the message, right? Because he comes up with all these excuses. He said, Simon answered him, said, Master, we've toiled all night, we've taken nothing, but nevertheless at thy word. So he must have heard the message because he's got a little faith built up. I will let down the net. See, he limited God because he didn't do exactly what God told him to do. See, we all, we haven't, we haven't, getting a better idea, you know, because it's not convenient. We do things that are more convenient for ourselves rather than do what God asked us to do exactly the way he said to do it. And we pay for it. God wants to bless us above and beyond what we can ask or think. Do you believe that? Well, then we have to do what he asks us to do the way he tells us to do it. That's the way Jesus operated on this earth. He said, I only do what the Father says for me to do. So they launch out. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and the net broke. I wonder why. 
And so then they called the rest of the guys over and said, uh, hey, come on, help us. And they came and they filled both ships, so they began to sink. Well, doesn't God know how much is too much? Huh? No, we serve a too much God. Huh? He says, I'm going to fill your cup, but I'm just going to fill it just to the top. Because we don't want to get into excess. Huh? No, that's our thinking. God's got plenty. There's no shortage. No, he says, I'll fill your cup, run it over, all over the table, all over the floor, out the door, down the street. Huh? You know, we catch a lot of heat because of this prosperity message. Well, it's a whole lot better than a poverty message. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like money. Money's good. We need money. Isn't that right? So we got to increase our capacity to do all and be all that God wants us to be. We've got to get beyond those choke points. And in order to do that, we've got to get beyond our comfort zone. See, we're creatures of habit. Did you ever notice that? Hmm? You, you're probably sitting in the same seat that you always sit in every Wednesday night. Huh? You get up in the morning, you go through the same routine, you drive the same route to work, all of that, right? Well, stop it. Do something different. Give God the opportunity to be a blessing. You might move to the other side of the church and somebody over there just been waiting for you to show up to be a blessing to you. Huh? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He was overwhelmed with Jesus' generosity. Huh? Launch out in the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Jesus was telling Peter two things that went against everything he'd ever learned in his life and experienced as a fisherman. To an ordinary fisherman, following Jesus' instructions would be considered ridiculous and definitely bad for business. Listen, if you think God's asked you to do something and you can do it, it's not God. God doesn't ask you to do the possible. He asks you to do the impossible. See, that's the adventure zone. It's stepping out in faith to do what you cannot do on your own. And just say, okay, God, up to you. But God precedes, God prepares, and God provides. He already knows what the need is. He already knows what he's told you to do, right? So he's provided for it. I believe God's message for you this day is just as fresh and vibrant as it was when Jesus uttered those words to Peter as they stood on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You know, that's the thing about God's word. It's relevant today just like it was the day that God inspired it to be written. Jesus is asking you to make an unusual response. Just as Peter did. P 
Peter explained what was reasonable by the world standards. He was really saying, Lord, do you really understand how fishing works? I mean, I'm the fisherman. You're the preacher. Right? But if he had not taken Jesus at his word, he would have missed out on the blessing of a lifetime. We have to take Jesus at his word. Take God at his word. He's never lied. How many times have we tried to tell the Lord, well, you just don't understand. Or, uh, well, I can't afford to sow what you want me to right now. But Peter said something that caused him to reap a mega harvest that day. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. But just imagine what it could have been if he hadn't limited God by taking one net because God fills what he finds. Amen. If he'd have had 10 nets, he'd have filled all those. Yeah. Come on, that's good preaching. Yeah. In other words, Peter said, Lord, if I go by my experience, this isn't going to work. But because I have faith in you, I'm going to do what you said. Well, we need to ask ourselves if we're making excuses that are costing us big blessings because of our limited capacity. Go deeper in God's word and believe bigger to receive the blessings and benefits the word promises. Peter thought he knew more about fishing than Jesus. Just as you and I at times think we know more about what's going to work for our finances than God does. Hello? But do you think God's sitting in heaven wringing his hands over your financial situation? Well, then why should you? God said that he would provide all your needs according to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. The question is, do you believe it? Yes. See, the only problem we have in the church is we've got too many unbelieving believers. Hmm? They're believers. Yes, receive Jesus as Lord. Even believe some of the promises. But you get to a point. Hmm, maybe not. Capacity. Just like Peter, he believed to a point. Well, I'll take one net. Then I'll only have to have one net to clean up when we get back. But he limited God. He's waiting for us to go deeper in our faith and believe bigger so he can prove his word. Listen, do you know that most people in the church today do not tithe? Hmm? If everyone would tithe, there would be no needs that we could not meet. Just tithing. You know why they don't tithe? They do not believe God's word. They are limiting God. 
when God clearly says, come on, just help me here. Let me show you what I'll do. I'll prove it to you. Go ahead, test me. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you greater than you can contain. You'll just do what I ask you to do. But when it comes to money, we've got to be believers and doers following God and believing his word is true. Thank you for that overwhelming response. <laughs> the key to your success is to go deeper in the word and believe bigger about his plans for your prosperity or your healing or your peace or anything else that you may have need of. We've got to go deeper and believe bigger. Amen. Too many Christians have been fishing in shallow water. Afraid to move out into the deep. Jesus gave, Jesus gave Peter two directives, and I believe the Holy Spirit's giving these same two directives to you today. Launch out into the deep. Go deeper. Go deeper in faith than you've ever been before. Do something. Do the impossible. Attempt the impossible. Prove God. Let Him show up. And He will. He's not going to forsake you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Just go ahead. Step out there into the adventure zone. Aim low, boring. Aim high, soaring. I'm telling you, there's nothing more fulfilling than to step out in faith and see God show up in a way that you had never thought about. And he will do it. But it depends on us because we're in control. He wants you out of your comfort zone. No longer content to just get by. So we're, not just, we're not called to just get by. We are obligated, folks. We're obligated to be prosperous, to be healthy, to have good families, to have good relationships, have peace in our heart. Why? Because we're the only God, we're the only Jesus that that world out there is ever going to see. Amen. He says that we're, we're living epistles read of all men. People know where you go to church. Huh? They, they know what you say you believe. They're watching you to see if you really believe it. Because if you believe it, it'll change your behavior. And then when your behavior changes, and hey, nobody's exempt from Brother Copeland on that. Nobody's exempt. The numbers change, that's all. But nobody's exempt from financial challenges, from physical challenges, from challenges of all sorts. You know, just because we got born. If anybody told you all you do is, all you need to do is get born again and everything's going to be wonderful. <laughs> they lied. You have opportunities then. You have choices then. And it is wonderful because you believe that no matter what the situation is, no matter what the mountain is, you can overcome it. That's right. Huh? 
we're more than overcomers, right? But we have to believe it, and then we have to act on it. And once you do, you know, folks watching you, just like that guy had me on Facebook, and I didn't have a clue. But people are watching you all the time, no matter where you are. And be nice to the checkout people. Huh? That may be the only smile they see all day is when you come through. It's small things. You're, it's amazing the small things that we can do that have a lasting impact on someone else's life. Just being nice. It's not a nice world out there today. Have you noticed? Well, that's what we're called to do. Salt and light. Huh? And friendly. I don't like to stand in line any more than you do. But it happens, you know? So we might as well make the best of it, right? Because people are watching. And they want, listen, people are looking for heroes. They're looking for someone who is being successful in life. Because they're not. Well, the only way they're going to see it is in you. And that's the only way they'll be open to hearing what you have to share. Because when they see you go through a problem, you keep a smile on your face, keep your confession right, you get through the problem because you will, if you do those things, you will. Then they're going to come to you and they're going to say, how'd you do this? You know, so you get through this, this issue, the financial issue or, or, or physical issue, whatever it may have been. See, now you have credibility. They've seen it work. Now they're going to be open to what you have to say. Launch out into the deep, go deeper. God's calling you to go deeper in his word, go deeper in your faith. Go where you've never gone before. He wants you out of your comfort zone. No longer content to just get by. God wants you moving into surplus and significance for his kingdom. That's what we're called to do. When we obey Jesus and move out into the deeper waters of faith, we will receive the catch of a lifetime. Let down your nets for a catch. Believe bigger. I said nets, not net. Nets. Jesus did not offer to do it for Peter. Did you notice that? He told Peter what to do. Then he let Peter do what he would. But God fills what he finds. God's calling you to believe bigger for greater success than you've ever imagined possible. It's there for you. You have all the tools. I know you, you received the word here. You know what's possible. You've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, guiding you, showing you what you need to know, teaching you, revealing to you. There is no excuse. We've got to go deeper and believe bigger. It doesn't make any difference where you are. Start from there. 
And don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't get into this comparison game. That's a trap. Just start from where you are and take your next step of faith. That's all God's asking you to do. He's not asking you to do what somebody else has done. He's asking you to do what you can do. And he knows what you can do. This is your day to go deeper, believe bigger than ever before. So ask God to reveal to you the life-changing idea, the life-changing step that he has for you to make. Go deeper, believe bigger. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. And they're good plans. Good plans. We serve a good God. Yes. Regrettably, everybody doesn't believe that. You know? I was reading about Oral Roberts. You know, Oral Roberts was persecuted for saying that God was a good God. Not by the world, by the church. Well, we've gotten beyond that, haven't we? No matter what happens around us, we have the blessing of God on us and in us. God's ability to prosper and increase your life is unhindered. Listen to this, unhindered by the world's circumstances. We are in a different kingdom. We're in the world, but not of it. So don't buy into all this stuff that you hear. Hmm? I hope you're not watching too much TV, listening to the radio, on the internet, and all the rest of that stuff. There's the, these are tools to get the gospel out. But they're trying to persuade you. They're trying to persuade you that you can't do what God says you can do. Hmm? And the key to, the key to persuade, the word says Abraham was fully persuaded that God would do what he promised. Fully persuaded. The key to persuasion is repetition. That's why confession is important. That's why saying what God says about you instead of what somebody else says about you. Who cares what anybody else says about you? Huh? They're not the one that's going to stand before God and be responsible for your life. God changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. Just so that every time he heard his name or spoke his name, he would hear, Father of many nations, Father of many nations, Father of many nations. Took him out and showed him the stars, showed him the sand on the, on the shore to give him a picture. See, we think in pictures. We don't think in words. A picture. And God has a picture that he's given to you about something that you don't see with the human eye, but you see with your heart. That's where you need to go. That's why you need to go deeper and believe bigger. Because as you go deeper in God's word, it will build your faith to be able to step out and do what God has asked you to do. No matter what happens around us, with the blessing of God on us and in us, God's ability to prosper and increase your life is unhindered by the world's circumstances. Remember, Noah was riding high and dry even though the world went into liquidation. <laughs> the, 
God's word is full of this. Totally impossible situations. And yet he showed up because somebody stepped out in faith. Abraham ended up with blessings and riches in a land he walked on by faith. Isaac sowed in the time of famine. Now, how ridiculous is this? Sowed in a time of famine and became very rich when everyone around him experienced lack. That's what we're supposed to do. You're a blessing going somewhere to happen. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, but God put him in charge of all the food supplies in Egypt and made him second only to Pharaoh. Moses was a shepherd when God called him to bring Israel out of slavery and literally take the wealth of Egypt to the promised land. See, no matter how things look, You serve a God who has the power and the wisdom to bring you into prosperity, victory, abundance, blessing, and peace. That's the kind of God we serve. Believe God. Don't allow your eyes and ears to be filled with negative reports. And if you got some negative folks around you, find some new folks to hang around. Because you will be impacted by it. That's why we come to church. People of like faith coming together to enjoy, encourage one another. Build each other up. Amen? So we're going to do what? I'm going to have to start all over. Now we're going to go deeper. And we're going to believe bigger. Now, I have something I want to ask you. Questions to ponder. Hmm? Some for you to think about. You are in control of your destiny. God has given you that ability to control your life. You can control everybody else's life, but you can control yours. It's your life. So if you're not having the best year of your life, you're a fool if you think it will not get better without change. Can't do the same things you've always done and expect to get something different. We have to change. And it starts right here. So the question is, what are you going to be doing differently that will change your life? What are you going to do? Four questions. What is my purpose in life? What's your purpose in life? You need to know. Rick Warren wrote a book, Purpose Driven Life. Sold 26 million copies. Why? People want to know why they're here. There's an innate desire in every human being to make a difference. God wants you to make a difference. He has a purpose. What's your mission? What are you called to do? What is God telling you to do? 
get more involved in the church, do something in the church. I don't know. But there's God's, God has something specifically for you to do. And what do you believe to be true? Not factual, truth. Because truth changes the facts. And what do you want to create? Did you know you're a creator? You have the ability to create things. Somebody created this chair. It was just a thought at one point. Somebody put it on paper, thought more about it, came up with the materials, made the chair. See, God is your father. That was a good place to say amen, Brother Barry. Otherwise, I'll think that you left. God's your father. He's a creator. And you are a duplicate. Genesis tells us that. You're an express duplicate of God. That makes you a creator. So what, what do you have a burning desire, a passion to create? that will be a blessing to other people. See, relevance is determined by the importance others place on what we do for them. We need to be relevant. And we are relevant by serving. Amen? So some things to think about. Some things to do. I'm going to stop there. But I want to pray with you. Bring this to a conclusion. And to get an agreement with you. And this same thing applies to me. You know. I was challenged when I was given that car. Because I didn't need the car. I needed the money. <laughs> but that was because of my Capacity. I had a choke point. Hmm? He had to get me beyond. Brother Copeland, uh, they had a little birthday party there when I, you know, of course, my son knew all this. But whenever we got the car, then I thought, okay, we're going to go get together with the family now and they'll see the car and all this sort of thing. Well, so we get driving down the road a little ways and he said, oh, let me drive, Dad, let me drive. And so, okay, okay. So he gets in the driver's seat. So, okay, close your eyes. And I'm thinking, oh, what's going to happen now? <laughs> so we're driving, we're driving, you know. And finally he comes to a stop and he says, okay, you can get out and open your eyes. And this was the most overwhelming part of the whole night, even beyond the car. When I opened my eyes, there were probably 100, 150 people there from all over this country from California, from Florida, all over that came to my party to see me get that car. I was overwhelmed. I mean, I, the, the car was enough, but, you know, I'm thinking, I wouldn't do this. You know how busy you are. You got things going on and everything else. For someone to take their time and their money to fly in from wherever they were and get out there for a 
couple of hours, it's overwhelming. But that's the kind of relationships God will give you when you serve. It's about serving other people and sowing into their lives. Because you can't sow into someone else's life without reaping a great harvest yourself. Hmm? Amen? Stand with me and let's have a word of prayer and I'll turn it back to the pastor. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for revealing to us the things that we need to know to increase our capacity and to move out into the adventure zone and to do those things that you've asked us to do more than we've ever done before because we know time is short. We need to do much for your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for these people that the word has gone forth this evening and it will not return void, but it'll build faith in the hearts of your people so that they can overcome any situation or circumstance that they may be confronting this evening. Lord, I thank you for this church and for the impact that it's making in this area, in this region, in this state, and in the world. Lord, I thank you for the pastors, the faithfulness of the pastors that have been here all these years continuing to speak the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for them. And we ask special blessings upon them this evening. Lord, we thank you for all these things. And we will go deeper and believe bigger. Say it with me. Go deeper, believe bigger. Go deeper, believe bigger. Go deeper. Now look. Hey, okay, okay, okay. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. The level of your faith is directly proportional to the level of your excitement. If you really believe, you know, it's like you heard of Publishers Clearinghouse, right? I'm going to win that thing. Okay, see, you know, you've seen the deal, right? The guy comes up to the door, he knocks on the door, and someone comes to the door and he says, Hello. I'm from Publishers Clearinghouse. And then they've got these guys standing out on the front lawn. They've got this massive check out there for a million dollars, you know. And it, so the person that comes to the door, they just kind of stand there and they say, oh, no, you're probably looking for the neighbor. Uh, I don't ever win anything. Huh? Do they do that? No, they jump and they shout and glory to God. Now I can write a big check to the church. I can pay off the house. I can bless the kids. They get excited, don't they? Let me ask you a question. How much money do they have? None. All they're looking at is a big check out here. They got a promise from Publishers Clearinghouse, which could go belly up tomorrow. Huh? They just have a promise. Let me tell you, folks, we got promises from a God who cannot lie, who is not going belly up. Huh? We should get excited about these promises. And we go to ball games. We do all, go to all kinds of places. Boy, we get excited about our team. And that's all fine and good. But how much more excited should we get about what God says about us? That's what people want to see. They want to see somebody that's excited about what they believe. So we're going to do this again. 
So what are we going to do? Go deeper. Believe bigger. Go deeper. Believe bigger. Go deeper. Believe bigger. Hallelujah. Okay, Pastor.